Today, we have broken the marble ceiling. For many, she's a political trailblazer. Madam Speaker. The first and only woman to hold her job. Nancy Pelosi wielded the Speaker's gavel not once, but twice, helping Democrats pass sweeping legislation. The motion is adopted. But it was her famous clapbacks to Donald Trump. Crazy Nancy Pelosi, she's a nut job. That turned her into a target for the former president and his MAGA supporter. Now, while she's still in Congress, for me, the hours come for a new generation. Pelosi has given up the gavel. What does she think of the chaos across the aisle? We'll find out. We have two things in common. Do I get a hint? I find cooking really hard. I find it really stressful. Do you feel your life is in danger? And the love of my mother is what brought me here. What was the worst investment? Oh, there's a long list of really bad ones. Nancy Pelosi, welcome. Thank you for doing this. It's a pleasure to talk to you again. My pleasure. Thank you. First of all, how are you doing? How are you enjoying life not being speaker anymore? <laughs> I'm enjoying it very much. Uh, I love music. I love sports. Most of all, I love family and friends. Do you miss being speaker at all? No. Um, I sometimes wonder why I don't. Uh, but I think that I've done my time. Uh, I loved it. It was a great honor. Imagine to be Speaker of the House, second in line uh, to the presidency, which, of course, would never happen. But nonetheless, the prestige of it all. Uh, I love my members. Uh, I love the institution. And uh, to use a Hugh Jackman phrase uh, that he, I One saw him in One of our prior play, guests. He said, I, I want to leave while I'm in love. And you, you left the speakership when you were still in love with it. Yes. Uh, speaking of speakers, uh, I want to start with the spectacle we saw on the House floor mm. a couple of weeks ago, Republicans taking 15 votes mm. to elect Kevin McCarthy speaker. I, I, forget the partisanship, Republican versus mm. Democrat. As a political pro watching that, what did you think? Well, I was sad for the institution. They should have had their act together. They should have gotten it done. And uh, it was sad. It was nothing to be amused by or laugh at or anything. It was sad for the institution. So, so was it worth his doing it? I mean, yes, it, it was kind of ugly and, and not particularly dignified, but he did get elected speaker in the end. Well, 15 times. I mean, that's kind of historic. I'd hope that he would get it done right from the start. What's the challenge? Let's figure this out. Let's get it done. And if not, let's move on to someone else. I'm going to pick up on that. Your daughter, Alexandra, has done a fascinating documentary about you called Pelosi in the House, which is running right now on HBO Max. And in it, she shows you rounding up votes back in 2018 mm -hmm. to be elected speaker. Take a look. I have a good feel for where the votes are in my caucus. Since the election, she has met in person with 67 members or members elect. So how do you get people's votes? Do you just break their knees and make them no. with you? <laughs> and I'm very respectful of people's views. So I want to hear what they are. I want to hear what people have to say. You count votes by listening. So what would you have done 
if you were McCarthy and you got to the first day of the actual session, you know, you've, you've gone through all of this stuff before and you didn't have the votes. Well, well I would have had the votes. You know, I, I wouldn't ask people to go to the floor uh, unless we had the votes. The, you, he knew what his, uh, shall we say, obstacles were. They should have been resolved. I just want to pick up on it, though, in a process sense. Are you, you're saying that if you didn't have the votes when the voting started, you wouldn't have put yourself yeah, up? I, I would have had the votes. I knew I had the votes. I mean, I don't, I had uh, well over 200 votes in the caucus. No, I knew I would have the votes. It was never a question. What happens, Chris, just so you know, is the press makes a big thing of opposition. You know, say, oh, so-and-so said this and so-and-so said that. But it isn't as, uh, it, it, it's not, as, it may sell papers, but it's not really the true picture of what is happening there. I knew what I would win. I never had any doubt. Never had any doubt. So I thought with Kevin, you know, what are their problems? Solve them in advance. Get it done for the institution. For the institution. McCarthy says that he is going to kick three Democrats off yeah. their committees. Here, yeah. here they are, Adam Schiff, uh, Eric Swalwell, Ilhan Omar. And he says that you set the precedent because in the last session, the Democrats kicked two Republicans, yeah. Marjorie Taylor Greene uh, and Paul Gosar, off their committees. Here are the GOP leaders talking about this. The Democrats have created a new thing where they're picking and choosing who could be on committee. Never in the history have you had the majority tell the minority who could be on committee. The Democrats set a precedent that we urge them strongly not to go uh, down last Congress. So obviously we're going to be looking very closely at who they appoint. Didn't you open the door to this? No. Uh, we set a precedent, which I hope they will follow. If they have members, as they did, who threatened the security of our members on the committee, were a danger to our members, threatening them, then they would go off the committee. So if they have that accusation about any of our members, let's hear what they have to say. It was clear that their members were a threat to our members. So this is about maintaining safety for our members. The fact that they want to sell, take these people off the committee is more philosoph it's philosophical. So um, they have the votes, they can take somebody off, but that's for philosophical reasons. That's not the precedent that we set. They would say Elon Omar has made a number of anti-Semitic comments. They'd say Eric Swalwell had a relationship of some sort with an alleged Chinese spy. Those are legitimate reasons to kick them off their committees. Well, that's not, uh, there's not legitimate reasons. If they want to do that, then that's the precedent they are setting. But don't say it's a precedent that we set. We set these people are a danger to the me other members of the committee in their threatening manner and the rest, and that's why they're going off the committee, because they're a danger. If they want to set a committee, a thing about hearsay or rumor or, or, or actual statements that people make, then that's a different precedent that they are setting. But don't say it is our precedent, because ours isn't. We are respecting freedom of speech and the rest, and uh, um, in terms of the Intelligence Committee, it's not a reason, it's an excuse. During the long vote for speaker, millions of Americans were riveted mm -hmm. by the action on the floor, and they mm -hmm. saw stuff they had never seen before, as you can see up here on the screen now with a speaker talking to 
Matt Gates, and then uh, another member <laughs> been pulled back. I mean, it was fascinating stuff. The fact is, though, that normally, once the speaker is in charge, that C-SPAN is sharply limited in what it can show. It basically can show the speaker up on the podium. It can show whoever is talking, which member is talking in the well of the house. There's been a push to change the rules to allow people to see what really is going on on the floor. Do you support that or not? Well, it depends. I, I don't have any objection to transparency and the rest. And when You didn't allow it when you were speaker. But I don't, I think it's supposed to be about following the procedure, the, the debate in the Congress. And if there's more uh, opportunity for that, fine. But I don't think it should be uh, um, used as a, a tool against members. I saw you talking to so-and-so on the floor and this or that. that. That shouldn't be the case. This was remarkable because when, we d when this was all going on, you have to remember, there were no rules of right. the House. Right. Anything went. And uh, sometimes they said terrible things on the Republican side, but we couldn't challenge it because there were no rules of the House. And forgetting whether it's rules or not, for, for a potential speaker or anyone to go up to a member in that manner, this just does not bring dignity to the House of Representatives. Let me see if I got this straight, though. Basically, you're saying... You like the rules the way they are. Follow the official proceedings. If there's something going on in one of the aisles, you don't want that on TV. Well, it depends on what it is. I don't know. I, I, don't, I don't want it to curb the uh, inter-party action that might happen on the floor that might be positive. But I, by and large, my view is the more transparency, the better. We now have not one, but two special counsels. Yeah. One investigating President Trump, former President Trump, one investigating current President Joe Biden for their handling of classified documents. Here's what you had to say about Donald Trump and his problems this summer. Take a look. If the uh, nature of this, uh, of these documents is what appears to be, this is very serious. A very serious. Do you think that Classified documents showing up in Joe Biden's office, home, six years after he was vice president. Do you think that's also very serious? Well, it depends on the nature of the documents. What I said, as you were listening, was if the nature of these documents is what it appears to be. We don't know. But what we were talking about was the highest level of classification of right. the documents. And uh, So I think you have to talk about uh, the uh, procedure. President Biden has said his, his lawyers are finding these and bringing them out. President Trump was obstructing, obstructing access to them. So I think you look at volume, you look at procedure, and then you have to see what the nature of the document, but we don't know what the nature of it is. But you said it perfectly in the beginning. There are two special counsels. Let the, tr let the truth come forth by the tr special counsels. But you're talking about the nature of the documents. If the documents turned out to be very sensitive, the Biden documents, that would be very well, serious. Well, you don't, I said there, if. Right. Yeah. That would be very serious. Well, we'll see what they are. I don't think that um, having a um, briefing on a meeting with somebody 
you know, right. we, we used to tease up in an intelligence committee to say, be careful because they're going to stamp classified on the Washington Post. Right. They got <laughs> everything. But, uh, but it, no, this is, I have 30 years, longer than anybody's experience, serving as a member, as the top Democrat on the committee, ex officio for 20 years uh, as speaker and leader. Uh, I take the seriousness of these documents uh, with great um, concern about their... Now, there's nothing like a presidential access. You know, people say to me, well, did you ever have... We can't even... If I took notes in a meeting, they'd have to be put... My own notes would have to be put into a, a, a safe box or something like that. I could access them in the room. So it's a completely different thing, but we have complete um, respect for the uh, classification. I understand that the cases are very different as yeah. you talk about the, the number of documents, yeah. where they were, the question of transparency and cooperation by the, the two men. You said it very well. Uh, thank you. <laughs> uh, but as a practical matter, isn't it going to be impossible, even if the facts were to bear out that Trump committed a crime and should be charged, isn't it as a practical matter impossible given the fact that Biden had documents in his office, had documents in his home? Well, it depends. It depends, and that's what you have a special practice. I think that, again, I said you said it perfectly to begin with. The attorney general asked someone to review to see if a special prosecutor was recommended. He said yes, there is a special prosecutor uh, for Joe Biden, even though the cases are quite different. We don't know until the special prosecutor does all of the investigation. Uh, is it, when you say, is it harder? Um, I, I don't know, I don't know. It just depends on what comes out of the investigations. I'm Dr. Sanjay Gupta, CNN's chief medical correspondent. This week on Chasing Life... I'm a health reporter and have been for 15 years. And even I feel overwhelmed by some of the things I read about the stuff we're eating. My colleague Meg Terrell wanted to take a deep dive into something you've probably heard a lot about recently. Ultra-processed foods. There is a lot to learn there, some fascinating stuff. And some of it is probably going to change the way you shop. Listen to Chasing Life wherever you get your podcasts. One saying that you're known for in Washington yeah. is you're never given power. You have to take it. <laughs> yeah. In the HBO documentary, uh, <laughs> your daughter, Alexandra, shows you working members of the Democratic caucus to pass Obamacare. Yeah. Here it is. I had a little disturbing report, and he said we expect to get us pass on this. There are no passes, especially on something as central to who we are as Democrats. No, but I mean, this is, this is, it's, this is the defining moment for the Democrats. This is why we elect Democrats. This is why we are here. And it can't just be on the taking end of it. But it's just the definition of saying, I'm not on this team. What is the key <laughs> to getting members of Congress to take a vote they don't want to take? Anytime I have run for any office or tried to pass any bill, I spend time listening to members. It's very useful 
is very useful. First, if you're going to serve or lead, you have to know who you're leading and what their concerns are and where there's a commonality of interest or where there are differences. And so I've said of that, we had an opportunity of a generation. For 100 years, presidents have tried to pass access to quality, affordable health care. We had an opportunity of a lifetime. And so when the people would say to me, how are you going to do this? It looks impossible. I said, it's not impossible. There's nothing. We cannot let anything stand in our way. If there's a fence in front of us, we're going to push open the gate. If that doesn't work, we're going to climb the fence. If that doesn't work, we're going to pole vault in. And if that doesn't work, we're going to parachute in. But we are not going to let anything stand in the way of the health care of the American people. So after it was passed, the press said, which did you use? I said, well, used, we pushed open the gate because we had so much support in the country, so much need for it. We just had to make sure that they had clarity about what actually was in the bill. And then there were some regional differences that we had to resolve. But but forgive me, respectfully, you you talk about (laughs) clarity when you say on the phone to a member of Congress, you're not getting a pass on this. That's right. That, that's not clarity. That's basically saying we're calling in all the chits. No. You're on the team. No, I wouldn't have said that to the person if they didn't say they thought they had a pass. This wasn't about what they do. It's what I do. I don't give passes. Meaning? On we this need, bill. Pardon? On that bill. We yeah. need your vote. Yeah. But we... In other words... And what would you have done if they'd said, no, I'm sorry, I I just can't do it? Well, some did. But we knew we'd have enough. (laughs) (laughs) All you need is enough. Yes, that's true. (laughs) And um, a number of members did not vote for the bill for one reason or another. Some of it is a real substantive reason, and other is I just don't want to be associated with this public role. We also see you negotiating with a member of the Senate over a COVID relief bill. Here that goes. See, here's what happens in negotiations. When you get toward the end, people get tired. And that's what he is. You can't get tired. You can never get tired. You can't wear yourself down to the point of, oh, forget about it, just let's do it this way. You're terrible people. They're the worst. They radicalize you. They really make you some kind of a left-wing advocate. Is is that part of your superpower, just be tougher and more relentless and wear the other guy out? Just get it done, baby. That's just the way it is. Just get it done. But here's the thing. It's interesting, I think, you tell me, of all the things that people have said to me about Alexandra's Documentary. documentary, They talk about this. That was the best advice, not to tire, because it does happen in negotiations. That people, you get to a point where you think, okay, this is it. No. I mean, you have to compromise. That's a negotiation. But you cannot, uh, you cannot lose the fight. You cannot tire. Resting is rusting. You gotta stay there. This is... Uh a difficult subject to bring up, but people are want to know, how's your husband Paul doing after that vicious attack in October? He's doing okay. It's going to take a little while for him to be back to normal. 
I feel very sad about it for because of what happened, but also more sad because the person was searching for me and my dear husband, who's not even that political, actually, paid, paid the price. It's sad for our family. Um, he's very strong, and, and uh, we're very prayerful. But, but uh, thank you for asking. He's been out a bit because the doctor said he has to have something to look forward to. And, um, and so, again, one day at a time. I'm just going to press this you. a little. We <laughs> see him out in public, and we have pictures of him at the Kennedy Center Honors, uh, and, you know, looking pretty hale and hearty. But when I've talked to you, when I've talked to your daughter, when I've talked to one of your granddaughters, you all keep using the expression long haul. And so at the, at the risk of prying, because people are concerned, is it physical? Is it emotional? Is it cognitive? When, what's the long haul mean in terms of recovery? Well, in terms, he was, you know, he had wounds and all the rest and that on his body. <clears throat> Those took time, but they healed. Um, tendons, you know, all that stuff. But the head is, is a different thing. And, and anyone who's had a head injury knows that um, you have to be very careful. You have to be careful about movement. You have to be careful about light. You have to be careful about sound. And um, it just takes a while. You get very tired, um, but you know, without going so further into it. But it takes—it will take probably another three or four months, according to the doctors, for him to be really himself. Well, we're all thinking of him, and Thank we're all you. thinking of you, and we're all thinking Thank of you. of your family. In the documentary, we see two of your nine grandchildren, who happen to be. The grandchildren, the children of Alexandra, uh, Paul uh, and Thomas, at big events in the Capitol, uh, big events in your office. Uh, do you treat them as kind of uh, out of control members of your Democratic caucus? No, I have nine grandchildren. I know you do. Now, they happen to be there when Alexandra was there. Right, That's right. how she took them. But um, it's, a, it's a civics lesson always. The saddest civic lesson of all was on January 6th when my son, grandson came to um, see the trans peaceful transfer of power. Yeah. And then what happened to our country, to our capital, to our Congress, to our Constitution. That was, that was, who would have ever thought, who would have ever thought that that could happen in America? What do your grandchildren call you? They call me Mimi. When our because? First, Mimi, because when my first grandchild was born, Alexander, in uh, Arizona. So, see, I, I was praying for grandchildren, Paul and I, but we forgot to pray that they lived down the street. Some were in Arizona, some were in Texas, some were in New York, but nonetheless, we have them. So when he was born, I was looking out the window there, and there was a cafe, and it said, Cafe Mimi. So I thought, that's what I'll be, Grand Mimi. Grand Mimi, but they- Based on a cafe? <clears throat> Based on a cafe. What if it had been called Cafe Fred? Well, I wouldn't have been Fred, but I, <laughs> Mimi appealed to me. So then they dropped the grand, so I'm Mimi. And other people have taken up that name too. At the end of the documentary, you uh -huh. quote an African <clears throat> folktale yeah. about how when you go to meet your maker, you show him your wounds because that shows the fights that you've had. 
After 35 years in Washington, how would you enumerate your, the, the wounds <clears throat> that you would show your maker? <laughs> well, or I would, I would say that we took considerable uh, laceration on the Affordable, uh, on the Affordable Care Act. Uh, they, they like to criticize me from being from San Francisco, which for me is the great honor. Nothing is better for me than to walk on the floor and say I speak for the people of San Francisco. But it's a, a, they tr misrepresent where you are on issues. Uh, they try to uh, attack your personal integrity and the rest. I'd just rather not go through it, but if you want... Uh, Maybe I'll write a book about it and say what, what they are. I'd rather not think about them. But it's constant, constant. And I say to women, when you run, you can't worry about that. You cannot worry about that because you are the only person in the history of the world who is you. Your authenticity, your uniqueness, your specialness, your sincerity is so special. And we need you to bring that to the table. Not to say women are better than men, but the diversity is essential for the strength of our country. I say to the members, our diversity is our strength. Our unity is our power. I don't know how anybody ever says no to you. Nancy Pelosi, <laughs> thank, thank you. you. Thank you. My this pleasure. has been a pleasure. My pleasure. Thank you. That documentary we've shown you clips from Pelosi in the House is a revealing behind-the-scenes look at the former speaker's personal and professional life and how she's helped shape the last two decades in Washington. And I'm confident there are scenes in there, I'm thinking of one in pajamas and no makeup, <laughs> she wouldn't have let anyone else on earth shoot other than her daughter, Alexandra. You can find it right here on HBO Max. Thanks for watching. Catch us every Sunday night on CNN and keep streaming anytime you want right here on HBO Max to find out who's talking next. When you work, you work next level. And when you play, you play next level. And when it's time to sleep, Sleep Number smart beds are designed to embrace your uniqueness, providing you with high-quality sleep every night. Sleep next level. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, the Queen Sleep Number C4 smart bed is only $1,599. Save $300 for a limited time, only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. Prices higher in Alaska and Hawaii.